Good morning. We're so glad you're with us here at South City Church. My name is Drew Klein. I'm one of the pastors. You know, we sing that song, Great I Am, and every time we sing it, it reminds me of the fact that we're in a spiritual battle, right? We are in a battle. We're in a fight. And there's no greater battleground in your life than your marriage. Because if, if the enemy can wound you, if he can hurt you in your marriage, in the relationship that, that is closest uh, to anything on earth, then he can wound your children, he can wound your future, he can take you out of the fight. And so it's so important for us uh, that are married today, and those of us who want to be married or are praying about being married, whatever the case may be, that we honor the Lord with our marriages. And I'm thankful that we've been in this series called I Do for the last three weeks, and I'm very excited to introduce this couple to you this morning who's come very graciously uh, from family life. We have several families. We have five different families at South City who work, are part of Family Life Ministries, um, and they have a, a great radio program, put out tons of great products to help disciple families and marriages about how to follow Christ. And uh, we're so privileged this morning to have John and Julie Majors with us from Family Life. They are a part of their speaker um, circuit, and they go around the weekend to remember um, if you've ever been to one of those, my wife and I have been to several, and they're, they're wonderful. If you ever get a chance to go to one of those, we highly recommend that. Uh, but John, I know, has also written several different products and, and written on several different products, like Stepping Up for Men and other products, uh, part of the Family Life uh, line of products. And we're so privileged to have them with us today. Thank you guys so much for coming and bringing your family. We're excited about what the Lord is going to do through you. Can I just pray over them and pray for them as we... Uh, listen again and, and enter to the, to the Lord's word, and we strengthen our families by his grace. Can we do that? Father, you're so very good. We thank you this morning that you've given us the privilege to worship you and to learn more of you. God, so I just pray over John and Julie now as they come, God, to, to share their story, to share um, what it is that you've laid on their hearts, Lord, about conflict and communication, and that you would help us, Father God, as married people or people who are striving to be what you want us to be as, as Christ followers God, that we would listen and that we would take to heart all that you give us and that we would learn from your word, Lord, and that you would do a work in our church, continue to help us to have strong families built upon your word and by your grace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, would you guys give a hand to the majors as they come? Thank you, sir. Well, good morning. Thank you all for having us. It's a, it's a great privilege to be with you. In fact, uh, when I was speaking with your pastor about, there's a number of topics we could have spoken on this morning because there's about 12 sessions that occur over the course of a weekend to remember with family life. And so I asked the pastor, hey, here's a few topics that might relate. Which, which would you like? And he, he went right to conflict. So I don't know what that says about your church, <laughs> about the pastor. No, Maybe but... he feels you need it or they need it. But we've already seen some conflict this morning. Well, I was just, before you say that, I'll just say, whether you're married or not, conflict is common to all of us. I mean, if you're going to be yep. in a relationship with any other human, there's great likelihood that you're going to have conflict at some point or another. Yeah, and apparently there's like an epic debate brewing about whether it's 58 or 59 years. We don't know, but <laughs> that may have been going on for 58 or nine years. We're not sure, right? <laughs> Conflict is common to any relationship. Anytime you are in a relationship with anyone, you're, you're going to run into conflict. How do we handle it? How do we navigate it? It's also fitting this is Mother's Day. That's probably the primary job of a mother is navigating conflict. Here's a couple of items that we tend to argue about in families, in marriage and families. 
couple of items I brought with me. Here's one. Is, can you tell what this is from there? Toothpaste? Yeah. Are there ever any arguments about how to handle a tube of toothpaste? Some people, you start the morning and you go, look, I, I, just, I just want to start the morning by conquering something, okay? I'm just going to, I'm going to seize the day, take a hold of it, and just give it all I got. And let everyone else deal with the fallout, okay? Who cares how it looks, how it's shaped, where it goes? I don't care. I'm going to start the day strong. Others see the tube of toothpaste more of it's like developing a relationship over time, okay? We want to care for it, caress it. You want to make sure every ounce of toothpaste comes out of this. Every gram comes out. <laughs> you might even roll it up like an old sardine can lid. You know, you make sure there is nothing left. Some go even to another level, and they pull out the scissors. They say, we'll, we'll even cleanse the inside with a toothbrush. I'm not going to leave anything behind. I won't mention any names of Telling some who might do that. <laughs> okay, that's one area of conflict. Uh, here's another that tends to, we run into some conflict around. Okay. Toilet paper, not how to use it, but how to hang it. Okay, so there's, there's generally two different ways. Actually, there's only two ways to hang it on a, on a hanger. One would be with the, the paper forward. Who prefers this approach? Quite Secrets, strong. Right? That's the right way, I heard someone say. Uh -huh. Here's the healthy people. All right, and then <laughs> some will hang it this way. I, I don't understand why, but I saw one lonely hand, oh, one brave, two, <laughs> two brave hands goes up. Okay, well, look. That I actually heard one speaker say there's been studies done by the paper companies on which is the best way to do it. I don't know why they spent time, but they realized they learned two things. One is, if you hang it this way, you use more. Because I guess it's easier for a kid to come along and just yank it and watch it, watch it fly. Like, this, this is a mother over here. She's going, that's right. <laughs> I was right when I said to hang it this way, because apparently it's more difficult to get it off, more frustrating. <laughs> for family members and various things. So, which is the right way, who knows? But here's, here's a basic rule of thumb, okay? If you hate trees, hang it this way. And if you hate people, hang it this way, okay? <laughs> Two different approaches to conflict. The point being, there's conflict in relationships of any kind, marriage and what have you. How are we gonna approach that? We, you should have handouts Hopefully those were distributed that come from this Weekend to Remember manual on this section, mm -hmm. session number six. We're going to start at the top of page 66 where it says, how a couple resolves conflict reflects the state of their oneness. That's a big theme of the Weekend to Remember is this word oneness keeps coming up over and over again. We're either moving closer together or further apart the entire time. You never stay the same. You're either moving, moving towards oneness or you're drifting apart. Mm -hmm. And how we resolve conflict tells us something about the state of our oneness, whether we're moving toward one another mm -hmm. or not. Something we need to keep in mind is that conflict is common to all marriages. And the goal of marriage is not to be conflict-free, or the goal of life, I mean, we could just say life, is not to be conflict-free, but to handle conflict correctly when it occurs. So I want you to turn and look to the person next to you or someone nearby and say, I fight too. I fight too. Yeah. So we all have conflict, right? It's, it's common. If you're going to be in relationship with somebody, there's going to be conflict. You're normal. If there's conflict in your life, mm -hmm. that's a normal part of life. But the key word in number, point number three is healthy. So underline that word healthy conflict resolution occurs when couples are willing to seek and grant forgiveness. 
Yeah, and that, that word is so important because conflict is going to happen. Now what do we do with it? How do we handle it in a way that makes us better, that we can learn from it and grow together? In fact, we, one thing that's been exciting for us to, to realize about conflict is we both come into marriage with a different set of values. There's some things that are clearly the same and where we overlap, but there's other areas where we have very different views of life. And conflict is an opportunity for us to, to, sh to shape a shared set of values together. And that's where you want to move together, where we, we're shaping a new set of values as a, as a family for us, not just hanging on to maybe old ways of viewing things. It's, it's an opportunity for us to grow as mm -hmm. individuals. But how do we do that in a healthy way? Mm -hmm. Well, first we start with this question, where does conflict come from? Where does it start? It's a great verse here in James 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you, your desires are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. You desire, you don't get your way. So what do you do? You murder. Maybe you don't jump there immediately, but maybe you kind of desire just a little bit of blood or something, just a little bit of pain, a little bit of suffering. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. It, point A here summarizes this verse. Conflict occurs when our desires are not fulfilled. We, we don't get what we want. You don't get your way, and then conflict starts. Some of what happens is we feel our rights have been violated. Our expectations have not been met, and, and bottom line is we get hurt. There's a scene in the movie Family Man, and by the way, I've not seen the whole movie, so I'm not recommending the whole thing. Uh, but there's one clip that really helps draw this out of where uh, the husband and the wife have differing expectations about how one particular event should go. Let's watch the screen. Happy anniversary, honey. Now listen, before you do whatever crazy stunt you've got planned, I want you to open mine first. Well, maybe I should wait. No, come on! Come on, come on, come on, come on, open it! I found it at an outlet store. Look, I, I know it's a knockoff, but I think it's going to look great on you. Oh, enjoy it, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. You're probably expecting something from me. Um, here's the thing. I hadn't really planned on giving you your anniversary gift until tonight. You know, anniversary's good all day. What are you talking about? You can never wait all day. You can't even wait till it's light out. Come on. I know. I know, that's me. It's true. And, but, um... <laughs> It's funny. I, I... You forgot. You actually forgot our anniversary. I'll fix it. I'll go out right now and I'll get you something. I'll make it right.
she had some expectations that uh, went unfulfilled. And I mean, there was legitimate hurt and should be in that moment. That's an important date that we should remember. Sorry, not trying to make any comments about anybody in the room or experiences some may have had today. <laughs> I'll let it go, sorry. <laughs> Here's the point. Probably where you would be tempted to go in that morning is letter B moment. Our unfulfilled desires may result in anger. Anger is the word that goes in that blank. Yeah, in that moment, you're gonna, there's going to be hurt. You're going to be tempted to go towards anger. Rightfully so. The question to ask in that moment is why? Why am I being stirred up toward anger? What's going on beneath that? We had an experience early in marriage where Julie loved decorating for Christmas, loved it. Present tense. Loves, yes. And I did not love it, and I engage now, mm -hmm. yes. But we had a conflict where I wasn't willing to help. She asked me to help hang a wreath. I ran out to the garage, backed up my truck because I thought this will be easier. I'll hang it. I'll be done. I can go back inside, go back to reading probably a book on marriage or something important. <laughs> and I realized as I'm pulling the truck back forward that her car was back behind the truck. I hadn't noticed it. I didn't feel anything. I thought I'm good. But when I looked, I had just kind of crumpled down the whole front quarter panel of the car just perfectly with the bumper of the truck. So I'm standing there looking at it, and here she comes walking around the side of the house. And she looks at me, and she looks at the car, and she just turns around and walks right back around the house. She said, I'm out of here. Which is good, because in that moment, I was furious. I was furious at her for asking me to hang the wreath. I was furious at me for being furious about wanting to hang it. And then I was mad about being so stupid to back into the car. And, but then I was going, why? What is going on? Why did this whole thing make me so angry? If there's one holiday of the year I should get excited about, it would be Christmas. You have to start to ask a little deeper, what's going on? What is driving me towards anger? What's beneath that? Mm -hmm. Look at the top of page six, 167. Yeah. Um, and make it personal for yourself. You know, we all have areas where we're susceptible to anger and areas that push our buttons. So check any area that applies to you. I'm going to give you a few seconds. James 1.20 tells us that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. And letter C there tells us our unfulfilled desires will lead to fighting and quarreling. I don't know about your house, but our house Sunday nights can be a little frantic and hectic, you know, trying to bring the weekend to a close and then look to the weekend, the week going, getting lunches packed and backpacks packed and does everybody have clothes for the week and all these sorts of things. And so one Sunday night, I found myself on the inside beginning to, like, you know, that boil up and start barking orders to everybody, pack your lunch, do this, do that, do that. And more, I was just, like, getting angry on the inside. And I kept thinking, where is my husband? How come he's not here? How are these kids not understanding what I'm doing? And so um, instead of saying, John, come help me, I just started barking orders at the kids. And, um, and I didn't want to be in there, right? <laughs> right. It's like, I'm out of here. I'm going to the other room. I want to read a book or something. I'm going to hide. 
That's right, yeah. Well, Which the, didn't help. It didn't, no, no, no. And so we didn't, like, there wasn't any explosion or any resolution that night. The next day, he calls me from work and says, hey, you know, tonight, why don't you get some time alone yourself? You can uh, go hang out with some friends or whatever you want to do that will rejuvenate you. And I was like, okay. I mean, what mom is not going <laughs> to take you up on that, right? Well, uh, I hung up the phone, and then I just started thinking, I don't really feel stressed out by the kids. It, that wasn't what was stirring within me. Um, what really was the root of that? And the more I thought about it, well, it was because I expected him to come and help me, but I hadn't voiced that. I hadn't voiced, it would be helpful for you to come and help me. So our unfulfilled desires can lead to fighting and quarreling, and we need to, to voice those. And for conflict to be resolved, letter D, both husband and wife, must be committed to oneness. Hmm. All right, so what are some steps to resolving conflict? We've established that conflict happens, anger occurs, unmet expectations. How do we actually resolve it? Number two here, resolving conflict requires loving confrontation. Before you confront, before we confront, examine the offense. So there has to be someone who brings it up, who starts by saying, this is an issue, and we have to do it lovingly. First step is determine if it requires confrontation. Not everything in life needs to be confronted. I mean, that's a rough way to live if every little issue has to be addressed. In fact, early on, I, I pretty much shut Julie down because in our home, the way I grew up, mom and dad would just, they'd talk through everything. They'd sit at the kitchen table and they'd just talk through, you know, I don't, you left that door open. Why did you leave that door open? Well, I don't know. I thought it would be fine to leave open. And we're just at the table going, gosh, who cares? Wrap it up, you know? They're just constantly talking. So I'm thinking every little thing needs to be talked about and brought up. So I'm chasing her around the house trying to talk about every, every little thing. Whereas in my home of origin, one of my parents is on the extreme of explosive anger, and another parent deals with it by just absorbing it and being quiet and eventually blowing up. So in, early in our years of marriage, I chose to to go the opposite extreme. Like, I didn't want to be this explosive, loud, hurtful. Um, I was going to absorb it. And so when John would come at me and say all these things, like, I had just learned as a child to just shut it down and not think about it and push it down, push it down, push it down. And I was fearful that if I began to talk about any of it, then I would let the volcano erupt. And so that's not healthy either. I mean, either extreme is not healthy for us, right? We, we need to look to be mm. in the middle. Yeah, so she's, I'm chasing her around. She's shut down going, leave me alone, go away. Because not everything needs to be brought up. You don't want to be a nagger or a stuffer, but we want to find a way. What are the things that are worth bringing up? One way to know that is. Well, I like this verse, Proverbs 19:11 says, good sense makes one slow to anger. I want to be known as having good sense. Mm. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. Yep. Not everything needs to be overlooked. So it takes wisdom to know. One way to know is, does it keep coming up? Is this something I can't let go over mm -hmm. time? Mm -hmm. Number two, consider my contribution to the conflict. This, this is important. You want to talk about that? Yeah. You think about what role did I play in this? And what pattern or habit of mine contributed to the conflict? my pattern on Sunday night is to dig down and to get things done. And I'm not 
very good always at thinking about relationships and what's going on. I've got, lit, I've got a task and I've got things to get done and you need to jump on a train and get things done with me. Um, and that can cause some conflict within my soul. And so I have to examine my heart, number three. Uh, and this illustration of uh, Sunday night is a really slight illustration, right? I mean, there are conflicts in our marriage that, are, that wound and go much deeper. There's a lot more emotion that's connected to it. Uh, so when you're in conflict, examine your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to show you, am I trying to retaliate or am I trying to restore? Am I trying to punish or do I want to pursue peace? And may it be said of us that we are peacemakers because that is the kingdom of God, right? To be, um, that is the fruit of the Spirit, or a fruit of the Spirit is peace. That is supernatural power being um, on display when I'm able to pursue peace when I want to lash out. Yeah, good. So notice this, this first step in confrontation is really all, that's internal. This is stuff you're working on in yourself. What, what was my role in this conflict? What is my motivation here to respond? Is it, is it to hurt them? or to restore us, to make us better. After you've kind of done some of that personal heart work, and this phrase in the middle of the page is so important. Remember, your spouse is not your enemy. You may be thinking, you haven't met my spouse. No, no, no. They may feel like your enemy at times, mm -hmm. but they're not your enemy. In fact, we have a saying we like to use. Uh, we'd say we're team majors. Yeah, we don't, it's kind of cheesy. We don't really say it in public. I guess I just did. But team majors. Right? We're on the same team here. This, this issue is an issue, and it's a hard thing. Mm -hmm. But let's, let's work on this together. Let's let not drive us apart. We're, mm -hmm. we're on the same team. I want to see your best. Mm -hmm. You want to see my best. And even with our children, we mm -hmm. say that. You know, we're all together. We're in this together. We want to win as a team. So, what are the first steps now toward moving toward one another in this conflict? First, you have to lovingly confront, and that's the key word here. This verse in Ephesians is so critical. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And that's the word here in number one. You can probably fill that in. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Truth and love should go together. In fact, unloving truth is not really truth. It's not really truth. It's an agenda-driven statement, probably meant to hurt. Well, how do we speak the truth in love? Mm -hmm. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that may give grace to those who hear. I, I think one thing that's helpful for me is just to think, how would I want Julie to approach me if I were the one who had offended her, how would I want her to come toward me? Would it be accusing, demeaning, angrily, or kind and graciously? I should then also approach her that way and start with that mindset. How would I want to be approached if the roles were reversed? Mm -hmm. Well, we must approach confrontation carefully. Two suggestions is make sure that the timing is right and your focus is right. So for us, it's not good right before we go to bed for me to bring up any conflict or anything that's on my heart because he is seconds away from falling asleep, right? 
And if I'll be honest, if I approach conflict with him, like I'm going to subconsciously think about it all night long and I'm not going to, I'm not going to sleep well. So timing is important to think about it for me. Does anybody get hungry horns? Like when I'm hungry, <laughs> horns come out of my head, <laughs> right? <laughs> that is not a good time for us to discuss something weighty when I'm hungry. No. So we got to think about um, the time has got to be right. And your focus is right. Here's some things to focus on. Uh, one issue rather than many issues. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Yeah, you don't want to flood the situation. You, it's kind of like the difference between maybe a rifle and a shotgun. Now, I'm not saying to bring weapons to a confrontation. Don't do that. But, you know, a shotgun is going to, you shoot it and there's a lot of pellets and they're going to spread out. It's not going to go as far. It's going to cover a wide range. Whereas a a rifle is going to send one small bullet very far. And you want to have that kind of focus. What's one issue that we can resolve? Because if you get one issue resolved, I mean, that's a huge win Mm -hmm. to be able to focus in on one issue. So keep it really focused. And, And if you see yourself wandering into 10 other issues that you know are problems, just we look back, hey, look, those are issues, but what's one thing we can resolve right now? What's one thing we can focus on? Also, focus on the problem and the behavior rather than the person and character. Mm-hmm. It's easy to attack someone's character. You are a liar. Well, no. Well, they're immediately going to go, I'm not a liar. What are you talking about? It's much easier to say, I feel like in this moment that that wasn't the truth. So we're not talking about you as a person and your whole entire character. We're talking about this one behavior. Mm-hmm. That, that didn't seem completely honest to me in that moment. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about specifics instead of generalizations. Talk about facts mm-hmm. rather than assigning judgment of motives. Uh, I statements instead of you statements. Now, a couple things I want to add to this is that our tone of voice is very important, especially ladies. We can assign so much with our tone. Just with dishes, for example. When are you gonna unload the dishwasher? That feels very different than, could you unload the dishwasher now? Right, there's two different tones. But also, um, back to this, stick to the facts versus judgment of motives. For several years in our marriage, uh, John would give me this crazy lady look. And uh, eventually I was able to put words to it and say, there it is. There's that crazy lady look. And he's like, what? Do you want to explain? Well, what the crazy she lady thought was? the look on my face was communicating to her that I thought she was stupid. That I thought she was an idiot in the moment. Crazy. But I was just confused. I was trying to process and figure out the situations. But the look on my face said, you're an idiot to her. Uh-huh. So that's what she was assigning. I was assigning motive. That motive to me in that moment. Now, that's the last thing I wanted her to feel. In that. If I'm going to call you that, I want to do that very strategically and purposely. <laughs> Not just all the time when I'm confused. Right? So be, for me to be able to put words to that and say, there's that crazy lady look. It kind of, you know, it imparts a little bit of humor. I'm able yeah. to say, this is, I'm feeling crazy right now. And then he'll go, oh, no, 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 no yeah. I'm not. Nope. Change Saying my face. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'll try to you know, yeah. do that. So it's important. Mm-hmm. This I statement and you statement thing is really helpful too because it's, it's really helpful to say, here's how I took it. When you said X, I felt. That's not assigning motive. Instead, when you do that, you meant to hurt me. You always, always and never are good words to get rid of out of your vocabulary. Because <laughs> when I say always, 
she's going to immediately go to, no, 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 back in 94, okay? There was that time. So don't tell me I always, and, not e- and then you're not listening. You're not you're listening. Not en- you're not engaging. Let's just, let's talk about this situation mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And then understanding, let's focus on understanding. Let's try to focus on that rather than who's, who's winning or, or losing. And guys, I, I, this is especially hard for most guys because we're competitive. I, I know there's plenty of women who are too. But guys, you'll compete over, over nothing. I mean, Paul, you still here, Paul? We've had some hard days on the basketball court together. No one else in the universe cared a, a, not a millisecond about any of those basketball games. No, our wives wouldn't even come watch. No one cared, but yet we cared. We were drawing blood for one more point. <laughs> but look, if we're having that approach in the midst of a conflict, we're, neither, neither one of us is winning. The team is losing. The, te- the team, team's losing in that moment. So let's focus on just trying to move towards understanding. Mm-hmm. Number three, I need to choose my words carefully. Confront with humility, speak the truth and love. Remember the goal here? What's the goal? To restore oneness in your marriage. Galatians 6.1 tells us, if any is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness and keep watch on yourself lest you not be tempted. Good. So that's the first phase. We identify. Here is the issue. Once you know that this is the issue I've got to bring up, I've brought it up lovingly, how do we move towards forgiveness? Next page. Resolving conflict requires forgiveness. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So there's two words to unpack here in letter A. The Bible teaches that all Christians are responsible to God to seek and grant forgiveness. So these two pages are going to unpack those two halves of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. There's a person who needs to seek out forgiveness, the offender. But then there's a person who was offended that needs to grant forgiveness. And it's it's two different skill sets. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about both of those first. The offender needs to seek forgiveness and begin by admitting first to God and then to yourself that you were wrong. And be specific. Don't use a clarifier if. If I hurt you, then I'm sorry. Well, no, just own it. Just say, I'm sorry I hurt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, willing to accept your respo- be willing to accept responsibility for the consequence. And consider and be willing to address the attitudes and desires, maybe tone of voice, that could have left, uh, led to this offense. Yeah, so back to the situation where I backed into her car and I had to process, you know, why was I so angry? I, I really had to start by trying to peel back some layers of what, what was going on there. I'm not, I can't just say, hey, get excited about hanging Christmas decorations. That, that needed to be done, but that wasn't the root issue. There was something else going on a little deeper where... I was angry maybe because I didn't want to be told what to do or I didn't want to be bothered in the moment or I didn't ever want to be asked to help. Why wouldn't I want to help my wife? Why wouldn't I want to get excited about the things she's excited about? Why? Like You've got to keep going a little deeper, another layer. That, man, that takes, that takes time. That takes mm-hmm. work. But I've got to start by, by asking, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. What, what was going on? And then humbly seek forgiveness. 
I think the bottom of this page and the bottom of the next page are probably two of the most valuable things in this whole weekend experience in terms of super practical skills. This gives you a script for seeking forgiveness. And I would say to you, if you feel like you've never been good at admitting wrong, I mean, who here never saw your parents admit wrong ever? Please don't raise your hand, my son. (laughs) If you've never saw it modeled in your home, that's really hard to to go there. I would just encourage you to be willing to just take this out and say, hey, you remember we were at that thing at church and that couple spoke, and I'm not good at this. I'm just going to follow this script. So here's what you do. Be willing to say you were wrong. You just start by saying, you know, the other night when I I backed into your car, I was wrong. I, I shouldn't have done that. Be willing to say you are sorry. I'm sorry I did that and I caused you to feel that way. Be willing to repent. I know that I've hurt you deeply. I don't want to hurt you that way again. And then lastly, be willing to ask forgiveness. Will you forgive me for doing that? It's a pretty simple formula, but if someone comes to you with a humble attitude, not sorry I was wrong, will you forgive me? That's not going to work. But you come with a humble attitude and you walk through this, there's a chance that it may start the process of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, one other tip. When you finish asking for forgiveness, don't say, is there anything you'd like to say? (laughs) No, no, no. Just say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And let it go and leave it in their hands. Mm -hmm. Now, the person, though, who's been approached and been asked for forgiveness, you have a part in this equation as well. Let her see. The offended spouse needs to grant forgiveness. But what does that mean? True forgiveness is not pretending something didn't happen. True forgiveness is not conditional, though you still, you may need time to build trust, Mm -hmm. right? True forgiveness is not forgetting the offense, and it's not an automatic cure for the hurt. Yeah. Forgiveness and reconciliation are kind of two sides of a coin. And you can forgive, yet there may still need to be time and a process. And it's much like a physical injury. If, if I got a paper cut on my finger this morning turning the pages, I didn't call in sick and say, Drew, sorry, can't make it, buddy. No, no, no. We just keep rolling. No big deal. Slap a Band-Aid on and keep going. If I had major reconstructive knee surgery yesterday, I'd have, I'd have to say, I'm, i got to call out. In fact, it may be weeks. It may be months. You may never walk the same again. There's going to be a long process. Depending on the depth of the injury, it's going to dictate how long the rebuilding process takes. That's just going to take time. But forgiveness is what begins the process. That's the first step. In fact, here's what we say with number two. Granting forgiveness is a choice to set your spouse free from the debt of their offense. You did that thing. Yeah, we got work to do, but I'm not going to keep hanging that over your head. I'm not going to keep rolling it out every time you do something I don't like. I'm going to set you free from that. It's also an attitude of letting go of resentment and vengeance. And it's the first step toward rebuilding trust. I think this last statement is so important. It's an act of obedience to God. It's really 
a statement I make to God that, God, I'm going to trust you in the midst of this. I'm going to let this go and trust that you're going to be at work in the midst of this. So what do we say? How do we do it? Well, I want to, before I go on to that box, I just want to add for a tool that I've used in forgiveness when um, the devil tries to come in and get me to harp on those things that really irritate me or um, cause me to really mull over. Well, the next time he does this, I'm going to na 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 or you know, whatever the offense is, maybe it's not with your husband, maybe it's with a coworker or whatever. And you just think they've asked me to forgive them. I have, but it's the process of really the mind is a powerful place, right? So the scripture tells us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so when that thought comes to my mind, I'll just say, I'm taking it captive. I'm being obedient to you. You have forgiven me much. I'm going to forgive much, but not just that. Sometimes I need an added tool, and that added tool would be maybe a, another scripture I'm trying to memorize, or maybe it's a simple song, like, Jesus loves me, this I know. And that way your mind is completely changed. You're no longer down this road that you don't want to be on because you've said, yes, I want to forgive you, but I'm, I'm being held captive in my mind. No, I'm going to choose to think something completely different because we can't think two separate thoughts simultaneously, right? So that's just something I do. I don't know if that would work for you or not, but... It has helped me. It's good. So granting forgiveness, first you do it privately. God, I forgive my husband for hurting me. And then you do it specifically. John, I forgive you for backing into the car. And let's settle this issue and get on with building our relationship. And I can't get mad at him for crumpling the car because I've done the same thing. <laughs> to your own car. To not my own my car. car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yours. But that's important. Do it generously and graciously. The roles are going to be reversed. There will be a day. How would you want them to respond to you in that moment? Man, I've got to come with that willingness to rec recognize I'm not perfect either. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that there's not a real issue that we got to work on, but I'm fully capable of doing some really bad things too. Mm -hmm. So let's be gracious and generous with each other. All right, now that you've sought and granted forgiveness, what do we do? Well, this is where we begin the process of rebuilding trust. Trust is not automatically reinstated when forgiveness is sought and granted. Don't be shocked if your spouse isn't immediately completely 1,000% trustworthy, especially if it's been a deep offense. I have a friend right now in this situation. He is shocked that his wife wants to know where he is. When he said he'd be home at 5 and it's 5.02, he's shocked. I said, you, you've got a long, long road ahead of you before you have a right to be shocked. It's going to take many, many months and, and maybe years, but it's the start. It's rebuilt through consistent behavior over time. Underline that phrase. It's almost a formula. Consistent behavior over time. That's how you rebuild trust. It's not one, I did that right yesterday. Well, good for you, <laughs> you know. Give yourself a hand, but let's see it happen every day for a year. Now we'll know that we're rebuilding trust. Also recognize your spouse's hurt doesn't instantly disappear. Give grace and time and ask God for wisdom and patience. Mm -hmm. Pray for them, pray for you, be in prayer. Mm -hmm. God will meet you over time. So begin the process of rebuilding trust. All that's about... 
how what we do when we're in conflict, when there has been an injury, when there has been a hurt. But let's take a step back from that for this next point. I want to take a step back and go, how do we ever even avoid getting there? How can we be preventative, proactive? That's what this next point is about. We can minimize conflict when we actively choose to bless one another in marriage. Blessing your spouse begins by cultivating a new attitude. To sum it up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Letter B says, choose to give a blessing instead of an insult. So there's some legendary quotes along this line. You've probably heard of Winston Churchill. He was the prime minister of England in World War II. Many believe that he alone saved the country in that moment. He was also known for being uh, very uh, quick-witted on his feet at times. And some have wondered if these events really happened or not, but just roll with it. They're, they're interesting. Uh, here, there was this legendary quarrel, apparently, that really did occur between him and a lady, Lady Astor. And one time she came to him and said, Sir Winston, if I were your wife, I'd put arsenic in your tea. Not very nice. He said, um, if I were your husband, I would drink it. Okay. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm not recommending that. One time she came to him and said, Sir Winston, you are drunk. To which he responded, yes, but you are ugly, and tomorrow I will be sober. I <laughs> know. Don't do that. All right? That's not what we're talking about. Instead, we want to give a blessing uh -huh. instead of an insult. Look here at the top of page 73. Choose to respond kindly when offended. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so easy to say right here, right now in church. But, man, in the moment, you just want to get them back. You immediately want to hurt back. Mm -hmm. that's, that's natural. Mm -hmm. It's unnatural to go, okay, how can I take the high road here? Just say nothing if you have to. There was a situation in college. I went to an engineering school in Louisville, and we had this tiny parking lot behind the building, itty-bitty. And so you were always trying to jostle to get a good parking spot. Otherwise, you had to walk forever. And so one day I pull in. I see a spot way down the aisle. I'm rushing to get there, and a guy zips in right in front of me. And so I pull up right behind him, block him, roll down my window, and I'm like, hey, hey buddy, what's the deal? You saw me down there. And he gets out of his car and closes the door and he walks up to my window and he looks at me and he says, I am so sorry. I didn't see you. Let me move my car. You can have this spot. So I rolled up my window and drove off. <laughs> I felt like such a jerk in that moment. <laughs> such an idiot. But that guy said, I'm, I'm going to be gracious here. How do we choose to respond kindly when offended? Mm -hmm. And then number two and three. Yeah, your focus is on God and his word. That can control you supernaturally, right? Mm -hmm. When you are listening to the power of the Holy Spirit who's giving you uh, wisdom to think differently than how your flesh wants to, and this choice can only be done in the power that God provides. And that's done by blessing your spouse. It follows the examples of Jesus. He refrained from speaking evil. He turned away from evil. And he did good. Yeah, that's a powerful verse in First Peter. And it really brings us all to number four. Seek to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Top of page 74. 
I want to be known as a person of peace, not one that stirs up anger in others. How can I move towards that? And you may have a long road to go ahead of you to be known as that kind of person. But that's okay. Consistent behavior over time. Start somewhere. Mm -hmm. In fact, you may have sown years of abuse in a relationship. And it may take a lot of work to convince the other person, whether it's your spouse or a sibling or a parent or a child. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a clip in the movie Fireproof. You may have seen that. It's about a firefighter who for years had abused his wife emotionally. But he came upon this book, this 40-day journey, where he began to work on his own heart, and he really wanted to change things. He wanted to save the marriage, but she wasn't convinced. She wasn't being convinced. And so he comes to her. And I think this clip sums up so well so much of what we talk about. What does it look like? Let's watch the screen. Caleb. I want to believe that this is real. But I am not ready to say that I trust you again. I understand that. But whether you ever reach that point or not, I need you to understand something. I am sorry. I have been so selfish. For the past seven years, I have trampled on you with my words and with my actions. I have loved other things when I should have loved you. In the last few weeks, God has given me a love for you that I have never had before. And I have asked him to forgive me. And I am hoping, I am praying, that somehow you would be able to forgive me too. Catherine, I do not want to live the rest of my life without you. I'm supposed to give those divorce papers to my lawyer next week. I just, um... I need some time... to think. You can have all the time you need.
You know what I love about that clip? He gave about the best possible apology a person could give. And how did she respond? I'm not there yet. I'm not there. And in that moment, especially after you've laid it all out, oh, it'd be easy to go, fine, whatever. That's how you're going to respond to me? No, you, you can have all the time you need. Take that time. Sometimes we're not ready, and that's okay. You're probably thinking of a moment, a relationship, an injury, a conflict that's real, that's raw right now. Could be between someone you love, it could be between someone you're not even sure you like. Here's what I'm gonna do to, to wrap us up. I'm just gonna give you just a few moments of quiet to just pray, to just ask God to bring that to mind and to ask him to give you the wisdom to know how to approach that person, whether you offended them or they offended you. And then, then I'll pray to close this time. Go ahead and just take a few minutes quietly in prayer. God, I thank you. I thank you that because you forgave us so much sin, so much evil, because you, who are perfect, are willing to forgive us, we can extend the same forgiveness to others, other imperfect people. Help us to be gracious with forgiveness yet also to recognize that trust takes time to rebuild and to be gracious towards one another in the midst of that. Help us to be people of peace who move towards oneness and build one another up rather than tearing one another down. I pray for this church. I pray it would be a place that is known throughout Little Rock as a place where relationships are reconciled, where people come to know you and they come to one another and a place of imperfect people but people who are going to move towards forgiveness are going to move towards reconciliation. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the grace of the gospel. Amen. Thank you guys so much for sharing that with us. I'm so appreciative of the, the practical uh, information, the practical steps that they've given us to take and think through. But I can't help but think not only just about that clip, but all that they've said this morning. And I know that there are couples here that are struggling. I know there are marriages here that are rocky and they're, they're trying to deal with some circumstance or some brokenness or some issue. 
And if that's the case, I just, I just.